You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Welcome to this week's edition of the Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio Show from Monday, the 5th of December 2022. We acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which we transmit people-powered radio. Thank you to Democracy Now! for the last hour of current affairs. My name's Chris. And I'm Steve. Special guest, Steve. And um, thank you to yeah I've said thank you to Democracy Now have I you did oh great I, I'm I'm on the on the ball here today and uh, yeah a bicycle users group radio a weekly show broadcasting from 3CR Radical Radio in Naram Australia and um, we broadcast every Monday at 10 a.m. and we've been doing so since about 2008 <laughs> and podcasts for ooh, probably equally as long and we're a show about bicycle cycling micro mobility especially today's program, Um, urban transport, not so urban transport and all bits in between to do with, you know, bicycles and (laughs) non-combustible. Okay, that was a poor choice of words. Steve. Yeah, so it's been a while. I haven't been here. Yeah, you haven't. And um, yeah, you you do a different sort of riding to the uh, commuting and urban um, onslaught that we normally talk about on this show. Yes, riding to places, not here. Yes, uh, we've had some interesting times of uh, the last few months. Mm, you know, three three El, um, El Ninas and... Um, La Nina. And um, the Tongan volcano Rangonas. blasting a estimated 45 to 50 million tonnes of extra water vapour, which may or may not have had its um, implement, implementation or um, implications on, the, on our weather. Yes, mm. so it's been damp. The trails got damp. Some of the rivers are still up. I believe that the guys doing the Hunt 1000 have no one's had to pack raft across any river crossings. So that worked. Yes, we'll um, chase up a few of the guys participating in that. But I imagine some of the high country rivers could be flowing pretty hard. Uh, the major river to the north is still. Set to peak, Murray? Because it takes quite a while. Uh, people don't realise, because we're so urban-based, of like how big this country is and how water sheds work. Like, you know, we had a massive amount of rain in October. Yeah, last few months. Yeah, and it's taken, you know, it's now kind of, you know, getting Mildura into South Australia and, you know, yeah, and it's not just slow people... Slow-moving disaster, they call it. Well, it's not just people who ride bikes and getting around and potholes and things we may be interested in. It's just like, what's it doing to the environment and wildlife and people? Yeah, and sheep. Um, so, yeah, so they, um, the, uh, yeah, the Mallee Blast was cancelled. Probably a, a good idea because some of those uh, areas are going to be... Maybe the, some of the park or riverside areas will be inundated. Even the ones that aren't could have significant washouts. So do you really want to be sleep-deprived riding through the night and 
hit some unexpected washout gutters and we'll be prepared really isn't yeah it? it's just uh, precaution that it wasn't wasn't the season to be doing that when you could be you know end, ending up in a pile of peanut butter mud on the side of the road somewhere well the merry blast would have been like a swamp well it's unknown i've heard some roads have dried out okay others could be still underwater things are washed out yeah you know, like this is the reason why you had some time off because you were going to do that. And yeah. well, anyway, it's, it, it is really a minor inconvenience compared to what these things do to our environment. Yes. And but it does play into you know if you're getting around, especially stuff in the city. You know, like I did a couple of shows on what was happening with well our reliance upon um, the off-road trail network. Yes, the and trail networks that follow all of the water courses. Yeah, and aren't a couple of times or a lot of times that the, the whole thing's not fit for purpose or impassable and we really have no real-time monitors on it. No. But on today's show, catch-up interview with Lena Hatter from 30 Please and she went along to the micro-mobility conference uh, that was held up in Sydney, you might remember, about a month and a half back, I spoke to Phil Latz, who was the organiser. Anyway, after the break, I'm going to be uh, having a bit of a chat and uh, some of the, some actually some very interesting stuff, how we get around our cities and the call for lower speed limits. Subscribe to 3CR. Where else can you hear radical news, analysis, music and opinions? Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 03-9419-8377. Thank you, 3CR. We love you. Hello, I'm Lena Huda. I'm the founder of 30 Please, a campaign for 30k as an urban default speed limit in Australia. I also co-founded Safe Streets to School, which is a grassroots organization asking for safe streets to school, which means either our kids are separated from fast moving traffic or traffic is slower, so 30k limits in local streets or crossings and footpaths where we, we don't have that. And I'm also president of Walk Sydney, which is the peak body for walking in Greater Sydney. And yeah, thanks so much for having me here today. Yeah, so we're doing a little bit of a catch up. What you've been up to recently with 30 Please and you spoke at the recent micro mobility conference in Sydney. One thing, and that's what I'm was mainly explaining at the micromobility conference was did a combined ride to school and slowdown day here in Wollongong. And that was to, you know, maybe go away a little bit from this messaging we often have in Australia that, you know, we should always hold the kids' hands until they turn to cross the street, but maybe talking a little bit more what actually, you know, the issue is, and that is fast moving cars that make it really unsafe for our kids to be able to get to school. So we did, we see schools, we did educations, there were three schools in Wollongong, and we did educations around 30k speed limits, and we used material from New Zealand, where 30k speed limits are actually being rolled out at this moment, because it's 
universally used around the world to keep children safe in local streets. And so we, you know, we we talked to the school children through videos, actually, because it was happening in the lockdown, that education component about 30k speed limits we were talking to them about why walking and riding to school is really healthy and fun and then we did uh, one day where we encouraged drivers to slow down to 30k it was voluntarily it wasn't mandated but with this uh, school children we informed all of that neighborhood through like flyers and signs that that's what our expectation would be for that day it's called a slowdown day the experiment was more about getting the community buy-in. So, you know, getting, you know, and that's what we were also showing. The media was very positive on it. The whole neighborhoods were in and we did see reduced driving speeds on the day. And we did see a slight increase of children walking and cycling to school. Not as much as we hoped for. And it was because it was a very, very rainy day. It was one of these days where we had, you know, we had a few um, rain bomb days. in so, but in the morning it was still you know you know the kids who got there really early they actually and that was just to show how there is actually community support for such thing because now that community is really interesting they are now pushing together to get 30k speed limits and actually also traffic filters which is with traffic filters they are something that you can there's like one street in that neighborhood that kind of divides it. People use it as a red one. There's big arterial roads surrounding that neighborhood. So you don't have to drive through, but people know that they can. And that is um, really tricky for the people who live there because they can't cross the street. It's, it's very high traffic volume. And the people who drive through there, they tend to go at really high speeds and a very low cost solution to fix that is actually to put in, it's more or less like a planter. So you still make it so that walking and um, cycling is possible through this street, but it's kind of makes it that as a, for cars, for drivers, it's not, they can't, you know, just cut through there anymore. Yeah, that's what the community there now wants to have as a result. And I think it's, it's pretty um, unique to see that it has that support. That was actually something at the Mike Mobility Conference in general that was discussed a lot, traffic filters, because, you know, we're looking at big, low-cost, scalable solutions to create walkable neighborhoods. Very easy to do. In London, they have tremendous success in terms of road safety. So they have, I think, some of these traffic filters, they have reduced road trauma by 50% very interesting to roll this out but in similar to the 30k speed limit what the tricky bit is you have to have strategies in place how to build community support or you have to have like tremendous political leadership ideally cross-party to be able to change the status quo which is not always the easiest of things. And in some other countries, that was so nice to hear at the Mike Mobility Conference, how in some other countries like New Zealand, they don't just have the, you know, the strategy on paper, they actually implement it. So like, for example, in New Zealand, by 2027, all the councils have to have 30K speed limits within 1K around all the schools. So like a big radius, you know, not like our little, you know, the school zones we see in Australia, they are tiny. It's not really where the kids live. No. It's just, you know, where they get dropped off when they get driven. But in New Zealand, they not just the strategy, but also think about how do you get councils to actually implement? How do you get people to do 
what the strategy says. I think that's something that we haven't really worked out in New South Wales yet. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 8.55am on digital and online. 3CR Radical Radio. But we have a good strategy in place, so that's maybe another news on 30k. It's now in the movement in place strategy of the New South Wales government. It says that we should have 30k speed limits in local streets, and that's what, you know, with 30 place we have been really, you know, working on the last two years to see that happening. Now we have it happening on paper, which is, you know, first step, but we obviously want to also see it in action. Back to what you're saying about traffic filters, we've got modal filters. And That's the same. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yes, model. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've got a lot of them in Yarra, and a lot of them were put in in the eighties and nineties. So they are once they're there, once you get them to put them in, they are usually after two years or so. So communities kind of love not having that through traffic, but to get there that you can put them in, and that you have also councils who feel powerful enough, let's say, to do it, because it's it's not really the money there that's stopping us. It's more. The mindset maybe about prioritizing car movements that you're like, ooh, but then maybe some drivers they have to, you know, go get around there and it might take them longer. And then there's the hesitance of people who work in councils to to do that, even though they know it would protect neighborhoods and make them better places and make it, you know, then children can play on the street and kids can get to school, all these things if they go through these quiet streets. The, you know, the other thing at the Micromobility Conference, uh, Lucy Sanders was there. From, she was, was really, you know, was really a pleasure to meet her and hear, hear her talking. And her advice around advocacy was really interesting. I think the healthy streets approach is like basically thinking about streets more like from a public health view and also getting councils to deliver against these healthy street indicators i think that's a really clever way to get action if we kind of change the kpis of people who who are in charge of thinking how these streets should um, should look like especially for people like with disabilities that was something that uh, lucy saunders was saying that in london they found people living with disabilities especially in wheelchairs they usually are on lower incomes so they usually don't have, drive cars they don't have the money to afford a car and they actually also don't take the tube very often in london they're more likely to take buses because it's cheaper thinking about how people who are in a wheelchair can get to buses and thinking about you know, the right of access to public life. I think it's something that we should discuss more in Australia. If you make everything around people who are able to drive a car, we're excluding a lot of people from public life. And I, I, you know, my personal motivation is my kids. I feel that they are excluded because if I don't organize to drive them to all their activities, to their friends and school and so on, then they can't get around by themselves. And I find that really unfair, but it's obviously also really unfair if you are on a low income and can't afford a car or if you're on a low income and live with disability. So you actually maybe even find it hard to walk somewhere, you know, where there's no, you know, where hard, the streets are too hard, uh, the streets are too hard to cross. Maybe thinking about it from that way, just there is a lot of reasons why 
we need to be able to walk to you know the next bus stop where we need to be able to walk to school and that means not only for you know the able-bodied but also for the 80-year-old also for the 80-year-old Environmental Film Festival Australia invites you to EFA Presents Sovereign Cinema, a one-day cinema event celebrating Indigenous perspectives on climate, ecology, culture and custodianship. EFA Presents Sovereign Cinema includes two shorts packages and a main feature, all sharing unique stories which reveal the resilience of Indigenous people and the importance of protecting ancestral connections to country. Join us at ACME on Saturday the 10th of December for our first in-person screening since 2019. Tickets and passes on sale now at effa.org.au. The Environmental Film Festival Australia is a 3CR supporter. Yes, and that's, you know, that's my, you know, why, why I come in, why I'm so passionate about the 30k speed limits in local streets, because, you know, local streets, they are probably 80% of the street network. And we know that once people driving are slower, they can watch out, they can stop, they can, you know, they become nice and let people cross the street, all these things. For the other people who really, you know, who really want to see this are the like, mobility providers and people, young people who like, for example, e-scooters, so it's a completely different, you know, this is a completely different demographic, but that was something at the Mike Mobility Conference. Uh, there was a really interesting um, speaker, also from New Zealand, actually, and he was saying how micromobility is like a disruptive technology and could be like the next iPhone because you know, it's a lot cheaper and achievable for people to own e-scooters, e-bikes and so on. And they also, they tick a lot of boxes in terms of how they could take over. Yeah, because I, I see a lot of intergenerational sort of separate sort of things. And it's like, again, getting back to where we are in Yarra, probably similar to where you are. When you go mm -hmm. to council feedback or any type of thing you get involved with, there's always a particular demographic who's not there. And it's, yes. and it's the younger people yes. who say, oh, they should be more engaged. Well, these processes aren't set up to be engaged with because, you know, until relatively recently, you had to turn up in person to do a public question at a council meeting. And now you can do a lot of online stuff. You can do online consultations. And this is where micromobility advocates and providers have got to get savvy in younger people who want these options of here's your opportunity, get in here and start networking. Yes, I think younger people, um, my observation is that they're not really learned how to advocate for their needs and maybe they also don't really have the time. I see that, you know, with our campaign, Safe Streets to School, we have most of our volunteers are parents, but they have a very busy schedule. You know, we would hope that our politicians say should represent all of us, right? They should also represent children and not just the people who have time to show up. It's a tricky one. I do find it a little bit ridiculous that I have to do advocacy for getting my kids to be able to walk to school by themselves. I'm just very surprised that I have to do that. But I also can see why my personal journey is that it's a really, it's a really interesting journey and it, it feels like I can make an impact, which I would have not thought before. I only started doing these things three years ago. I think it's also a little bit sad that that it needs that advocacy. You're it's there. 
yeah well so hopefully <laughs> we, we just I think yeah we really do need to have I think how we get from good strategies, for example, the, in New South Wales, we have a strategy around the 15 minute neighborhood. We have, you know, we have, we talk about, we want active travel to school because we actually realize now, you know, after COVID, interestingly, the, a lot of the trips at peak times are actually school travel. Driving kids around is a really, really big factor in creating congestion in New South Wales because it's five days a week. It's at peak times and actually on the weekends as well, what fields are co-located with schools. And that's also where we see all the congestion on the weekends. It's really people driving around their kids. That costs society a lot of times. Another really interesting talk at the conference was uh, David, he's also from Brook Sydney. He's a professor of transport, and he speaks about how the you know the waiting times at traffic signals in, in Australia they're really really long. I don't know if you are how long they are within the international comparison, super long time, and they really limit the fifteen minute neighborhood idea because if you have to wait a few times, one minute when you walk somewhere, that really reduces the radius of how big your fifteen minute neighborhood is when you walk. Make your gift giving meaningful this year with a festive gift from Children's Ground. A First Nations-led organisation, Children's Ground creates holistic, long-term change with First Nations children, their family and community. Choose from gifts designed by Children's Ground artists or our change-making digital gift cards. You'll receive a digital card to email or to print at home. It's the gift that's guaranteed to arrive on time. Go to childrensground.org.au to shop or learn more. Children's Ground is a 3CR supporter. It's an interesting thing in like the COVID because we've just had you know, this massive disruption and people reorientating themselves. I'm seeing pushbacks on like a lot of soft controls and this is why with things like walking and cycling, people want to see better controls not to keep us separate just to keep cars away from everything else your soft controls aren't working because of either aggression behavior all sorts of things that are going on and just something separate to our discussion i was reading that melbourne and sydney's population is getting into mega city <laughs> numbers like you know you go overseas and cities are one two one and a half three million we're looking at two cities of over five. We can't keep this mentality of we can just get in our car and go anywhere in these two heavily urbanised areas. And this is where micromobility, it's not the solution. It's part of a greater package of solutions. Like, as you're saying about the throughput with walk signals and, and the like, that's because cars are given priority. Just touch base with public transport. That's the, yes. best, that's the best throughput. And yes. we've just had this predominance since the Second World War or whatever arbitrary time you want to put on it that you drive everywhere because the transport thing's been socialised back to the, either the individual or the family. And mm. what you're discussing is taking the focus off that and putting it back on options, many, many different options of getting about. Yeah, with a growing population, it really does not make any sense to... Yeah. 
encourage car movement anymore. And that's what's unfortunately done. The big money is spent on more roads and tunnels with Sydney. And it's oh yeah. And it create, you know, people will have to park their car somewhere, people will have to, you know, get to their final destination. So it is starts to clock up local streets and it's it's not healthy. It's it's not strategic. Walking, cycling combined with public transport is so obvious in, in cities like London. When you live outside of London, you never complain that there's no parking in London because it's just people would just say it's obviously stupid to drive to central London. You know, that is just not even something you would consider. But in Sydney, that's actually what often you hear when people say, oh, you can't take away parking because, you know, you have to drive to Sydney. And it's, do you really have to drive to Sydney? <laughs> I mean, there might be some people, some, you know, maybe some some delivery, some tradies, some people living with disabilities. Oh, of course, of course. But, you know, some, but the majority of trips to a city like Sydney, from, you know, let's say when I go from Wollongong to Sydney, that really should be something that's done by public transport. There was also Better Streets was launched at the Mike Mobility Conference, which is like a coalition of campaigns uh, trying to influence the idea around, you know, making our streets better. So the, one of the key asks was to get uh, 75% of kids walking or cycling or taking public transport to school. Well, one kiosk is also around 30k speed limit. We have a kiosk around crossings. So that is something that is basically a woman called Megan Sharkey, who's an amazing... Ah, yes. yes. Yes, so she has come up um, with to kind of copy how movement has happened in the UK and is bringing that idea to Australia. So the idea is to form like coalitions who ask for the same thing. So I think that would be a very positive action if advocates who want to listen to us want to do something to... Real important things, I think, is to talk to decision makers. That really is important to to give them your personal story, why that matters to you. I think they hear too often from people who are like for the status quo. Coming back to the Mike Mobility Conference, that was really the two-day event in Randwick. And also, actually, for me, it started even the day earlier with, um, actually, two days earlier, the, two, the Lord Mayor in Sydney, she invited of Walk Sydney and some, you know, a lot of advocacy group to her Christmas celebration. And she was actually, what was really interesting. She was talking about all the things she has delivered for walking and cycling. The next day we had Cycling and Walking Australia and New Zealand is something organized by governments. Peak advocacy groups are invited to um, be part of that. And we had a one day workshop which was fantastic. So Walk Sydney is part of C1s, but also, for example, Victoria Walks was there, 30 Please was there, and, and lots of different organizations. And it was a really interesting, intense workshop around, you know, what uh, what we should be doing. And Lucy, for example, was there already, and also Catherine King from New Zealand, which is very inspirational, I think, for Australia to see how it's done. And then the next day was a Mike Mobility Conference put together by Phil Latz. He's also founder of the Mike Mobility Report, which is a great publication with everything. It's not just about, you know, Mike Mobility offering, but also about these infrastructure and things like that that we need. Stephen Hodge was the MC who's rewrite. Stephen Hodge is, yeah, a great mentor of mine. And he um, he's really good at, you know, getting all the different advocacy. I got to meet 
some people like Tepi, who was invited. He's a very talented young public health advocate with so much energy and yeah, such a great talent to get, you know, in terms of media relations and how he can word things to catch public attention. So it was really nice for me to meet him. In terms of the talks, one that probably stood out in terms of how emotional the, the audience was, was Tom Flood from Canada. He is somebody who used to be in the advertising business. He actually was working on car advertising and then he had his awakening and now he, he uses these skills to make videos and tweets around road safety and what's needed for children to be independent, for example, riding a bike. And he um, was showing some very emotional videos about hey, around how dangerous it is for kids to get around. Please do get in touch with me if you're interested. Set the 30 Please campaign is a nationwide campaign around 30k as a default urban speed limit. And Elena at 30please.org is my email. So get in touch if you're yep. interested to help with that campaign or sign up to our newsletter on our webpage or use our Facebook. For people who live in uh, Greater Sydney, we have Walk Sydney, and that's a member organization. So I encourage you to become a member. Safe Streets to School is about also nationwide. If you are, it's more for probably more the parents of us who are interested to start a local grassroots organization, or we have also some existing chapters. And then obviously there's also Better Streets, which I think would be nice if that was launched by somebody in Victoria or wherever you are uh, in New South Wales, you can just um, join the existing campaign. And that's that's a very busy time for Better Streets at the moment because they just launched and they have their focus around the coming up election in New South Wales in March. So uh, yeah, there's lots of work to do and lots to do for volunteers. Just get in touch, help us making those changes that we need to get around more easily. Listening to Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio on Community Radio 3CR. So we've got time for today, Steve. Bye now. Bye now. Should have a podcast up later today on 3cr.org.au. Also on demand streaming podcast, all bunch of ways you can listen to us. And I'll put all the stuff that uh, Lena was talking about, the details of uh, 30 Please, Walk Sydney, and the new Better Streets initiative or project that's coming up. Okay, up next is. Shebop followed by Black Block. Yarrabug would like to thank our sponsor, Vacro's Second Chance Cycles, for their financial support. Second Chance Cycles is a fantastic community workshop that recycles bikes, trains people in bike mechanics, and sells bikes to the local community. If you have a healthcare card, they'll give you a bike free of charge. To find out more, search for Vacro online or drop into the underground car park, Harmsworth Street, Collingwood, any Tuesday or Thursday. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.